Turn to Psalm 2, if you will. Taking a slight detour from Ecclesiastes, although you will see it very much relates to the message that we've, we are seeing in the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, but I thought this a fit, fit psalm to look at in light of current events and what is taking place this coming week. Uh, that's where we will look. This is God's Word. Psalm 2, verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then He will speak to them in His wrath and terrify them in His fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore... O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way. For His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Thus far God's Word. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray <clears throat> that You would help me to preach Your Word in the power of the Spirit. I pray that You would help us to hear Your Word in the power of the Spirit, knowing that it relates to us all, that it shapes us all, that we are responsible to hear it, and put it into practice. Bless the preaching and the hearing of your word. May your spirit apply your truth to our hearts. May you lift high the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Draw all kinds of people to yourself. Bless us with your truth. Shape our hearts to love and enjoy and glorify you. Remind us that we are yours, that you have us, that we are instruments in your hand. We look to you and give you praise and ask our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to your life. There's no turning back. Even while we sleep, 
we will find you acting on your best behavior. Turn your back on Mother Nature. Everybody wants to rule the world. It's my own design. It's my own remorse. Help me to decide. Help me make the most of freedom and of pleasure. Nothing ever lasts forever. Everybody wants to rule the world. Took all I could do not to start singing while I was reading that. Cindy's like, yeah, somebody said praise God. Amen. That's why I'm not up here singing on Sunday morning. But Tears for Fears, if you're not familiar, in the song, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And everybody does want to rule the world. We are born into this world wanting to rule our own world, wanting to call our own shots. We are born into this world hating God's law and God's moral requirements, His righteousness, and seeking to do what's right in our own eyes. We'll ask God's help for that or we'll do it against Him. But you know that everyone is born in sin, born under the dominion of darkness, born indulging the flesh. And no one, no one apart from grace wants to true and living God to define and rule His or her world by His law. So when sinful people are placed in government, they still seek to call their own shots, to rule according to their own desires and the desires of the people they govern, the desires of their group or their, their people that are around them. Mankind has been trying to overthrow God's rule since the garden. Since the fall. So in a, in, a, in a relation, in a way, as Ecclesiastes 1.8 says, as Solomon said, what has been done is what will be done, and what has been done is what, uh, is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Until Jesus returns, mankind will be trying to throw off His rule. And the fewer people in society that are in submission to Jesus, the more that is expressed itself in the culture all the way up to the White House or whatever seat of government is in any nation. So I wanted to look at Psalm 2 this morning. Yes, in light of the upcoming um, inauguration, but nothing is new. But just to remind us and recalibrate our thoughts and focus us on the reality of the enduring rule and reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to try to give us some much needed reminders. I don't know if anybody up above this building will ever hear this. May it go to the White House. There's a call here for everyone, including, including rulers, to submit to the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, or face the consequences of that rebellion. So very quickly, and uh, main point, rebellion is universal, but God commands all people everywhere, even those in government, to submit 
to the rule of His Son. From the lowest person to the highest office, God's command is to submit. Not suggestion. Command is to submit to the rule of His Son. So first look at Psalm 2. And listen, there's so much I can't say this morning. There's so much that's here. But I want to try to say what is applicable. I want to try to say what can be understood by every heart in here, the smaller children up to the oldest adult. And uh, just call us to peace and faith and rest and purpose and call those who reject the rule of the Son to repentance. But look at the enduring rebellion of all mankind. Sort of, you know, it reminded me of Ephesians 2, kind of some of this parallelism in the way it starts. But look what it says. And, and we know, we, it says, Why do the nations reign and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. The theme of this psalm, is it's a kingship psalm. It's a royal psalm. It's also a messianic psalm where it integrates the idea of the, of the divine king and the kings of the earth and the lesser kings are commanded to submit to the greater king. And so as you know, if you read uh, Acts 4 and other places, David wrote the psalm. And so uh, David wrote the psalm and David and his reign in Israel is a type or a picture or a foreshadowing of the greater reign of Messiah the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's almost hard to see David as you read this because it's so clearly and, uh, about the, the reign of the Messiah and the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is not just me saying that. You see that over and over and over in the New Testament where these verses are quoted. But this is a decree of God. It's a call of God to submit to the reign of His Son working through the reign of David, showing us and foreshadowing for us the reign of Jesus, which will never end. But if you, if you remember, if you go and read Acts 4, you'll see these first few verses quoted in the prayer of the apostles and saying that Pilate and Israel and all of those were gathered together against Jesus. And so it points directly to Christ and His crucifixion. But why do the nations rage? Why do they seek to reject the rule of the one who has all authority now in heaven and on earth? It's because of that sin that I was talking about, that fallen nature, that will to do our own thing and to fight against God in His law. Look what it says. Why do the lost people in the world, why do the nations, why do those who don't know Christ, who don't love God, why do they rage? We've seen a lot of that lately, haven't we? Why do the peoples and the peoples plot in vain, not just the rulers, but the mob? And why are they plotting in vain. When it says they're raging, that means it's a, it's a tumultuous throng. They're angrily opposed. To what? They're raging and they're plotting, but their plots are in vain. How silly it is to seek to throw off the rule of the true and living Creator God. 
The insanity of Satan bleeds down into the lost world to think we can stand against the living God and succeed. It might look in the short term in our lives or in nations as though that plan is succeeding, but there is a way that seems right to man. The end thereof is death. It is appointed to man to die once and then the judgment. Every person will bow the knee someday. Every person will stand before the King of Kings. He says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? Why are they a tumultuous throng? Why are they angrily opposed? What are they plotting that is a vain plot? It says this in verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves. Notice this is a set. They're set in this. This is a purpose. Like Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem like Flint. They are set And the rulers take counsel to, together against the Lord and against His anointed. The vast history of the earth, history now, history to come until Christ returns, will be rulers setting up their own kingdoms, gathering together, seeking to call their own shots, and doing so against the Lord and against His anointed. Literally there, anointed. Mashiach. Anointed one. Just brought right over into English. Messiah. Why do they plot in vain such a foolish thing as to set themselves against the Lord and against His anointed? against His King, against His servant. Look what they say. And it's interesting, I haven't said this yet, I want to point this out. If you watch in this psalm, you have the voice of the world, then you have the voice of the Father, then you have the voice of the Son, and then you have the voice of the Spirit. So you have mankind's voice and God's response, and it's a triune response. A response of the Trinity in this psalm. But look what the world says. Look what the kingdoms of the earth say. Let us burst their bonds apart. And let us cast away their cords from us. Let us disrupt and burst their control over us. This is a metaphor. These are metaphors for rebellion against the Lord and against His King, His anointed, as we'll see His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's not always stated overtly, is it? State of the Union. Well, we've had great success this year in opposing the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not really, we don't talk that way in our own lives. We just calmly go about our own way and do our own thing and expect God to stamp His approval whether or not we are walking in joyful submission to His law. But this is putting it plainly. This is what's going on. Let us throw off their government. Let us throw off their rule. Let us not serve the Lord and His Christ. 
See, lost man sees serving the Lord as bondage, which is ironic. Because a rebellion is really the bondage. Sin is really the bondage. But a lost person sees serving the Lord as bondage, as crimping their style, as not what they want to do. And see, a lost person and a lost king and a lost ruler and a lost judge and a lost anybody boiled down to it hates God's law. Won't be controlled by it. The world hates God and hates God's law. How dare you say that abortion is wrong? How dare you say that sex outside of marriage is wrong? That homosexuality is wrong? How dare you say that there's only one God and one way, that there's only one Lord and one Christ? You fill in the blanks. How dare you say all stealing is wrong? How dare you say adultery is wrong? You just don't understand. The world hates God's law. The world rebels against God's law. The world wants to throw off the restraints of God's law. And since the garden, man has been seeking to make his own rules and to rule his own world. God, we will not have you rule over us. We will write into law the exact opposition of your law. We will put in jail anyone who speaks the truth of your law. We will outlaw your law. We will rule the way we see fit. Our lives, our courts, our legislature, our, the White House, we will all do it the way we see fit and the way our constituents want us to do it. Apart from grace, people actually believe that they know better than God. You may believe that. You know better than God how your life ought to be ordered. How your marriage ought to be ordered. How your children ought to be raised. How you should behave on your job. How you should spend your money. What religion you should choose. There's really only two. Something in my hands I bring and nothing in my hands I bring. All the world's religions and Christianity. Salvation by grace alone. Through faith alone. In Christ alone. Proved true by His resurrection alone. But people actually believe that they know better than God and can live outside His law without negative consequences. And because God doesn't immediately judge all sin, they think they're getting away with it. But I'm telling you, judgment is coming. God won't abide with that forever. He gives space for repentance. But we'll all stand before Him. See, lost man and lost mankind and even lost rulers adopt knowingly or unknowingly Milton's line in Paradise Lost when he's quoting Satan. Better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. 
a stupid statement which Milton later refutes in the poem. Everyone wants to overthrow God's rule and rule his own world and get together in that sinful cohort and rule the world. And the rebellion is so deep that when God took on flesh to come and save us, look what the world did to Him. We would kill God if we could and remove Him from the scene. The nations are raging. The peoples are plotting in vain. The kings and rulers of the earth take counsel. Let's burst their bonds and cast off their cords. It's a dire situation. Heaven is freaking out over it. What will God do? Is He threatened? Is He worried? Is He wringing His hands? Look secondly, the authoritative response of Almighty God. The voice of the Father first. He who sits in the heavens laughs. He laughs in disgust. He mocks them in derision. You okay with that? You have a problem with God mocking people? You know, sometimes God calls us stupid. You know why? Because we are. Think about Isaiah mocking the idolater. It's God mocking the idolater who takes a block of wood and cuts it in half and cooks his meal with one half and turns the other into a God that he bows down to. That's stupid. That's foolish. That's idiotic. A man is so lost and blind he can't see it. And before you laugh too hard, look at all around you at all of the things in your life that you're tempted to turn into God's. We turn good things into God things. But God looks down on man's puny effort to throw off His rule and He laughs. He mocks them. He holds them in derision. He's not threatened. No, it says He's seated. He's seated. He sits in the heaven. Seated where? Comfortably securely, fully established on His throne. Not threatened. He laughs. And then He speaks. Then he speaks. Look what he says. It says, then, then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. See, there wasn't any votes to fake. Or elections, and I don't know what happened. I'm not there. But I know shenanigans go on all the time, everywhere. Right? There was no votes at all. 
God didn't ask anybody if they cared. He didn't ask anybody if it made sense to them, if it was what they wanted. He's the creator and we're the creature. He calls the shots. And look what he says. I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Much higher than the White House or the Kremlin or any other earthly governmental seat. We call them a power. They really don't have any power, ultimately. I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Implied, you better listen to him. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. How many times do we see that in the New Testament? He's the only one who ever lived with whom God could be well pleased. God and man, one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, came to fulfill where we had broken. Why did he even step off the throne and come to this earth? It was to save his people. See, the path to the throne, the path to being set included the cross. He, he lived for us. He fulfilled the law that we hate and have broken. He kept it in thought, word, and deed. He died on the cross to suffer the wrath of God due the sin of His people. He went into the grave, not stopping there, but He went through it and blew the doors off of it, not to get out, but so we could see He's risen. He appeared to His disciples and more than 500 people at one time before He ascended into heaven. And listen to me, believe it or not, He is seated, He is all authority in heaven and the earth, He is ruling, He is accomplishing all of His purpose to take His gospel to the ends of the earth, and to Him every knee will bow. I have set my King on my holy hill. That is the voice of the Father. Now we see the response of the Son. Look at it. I will tell of the decree, the eternal decree, the decree of the, decree of the Father since eternity. The Lord said to me, look at that, the Lord said to me, see it's the voice of the Son now, you are my Son, today I have begotten you. As to His divine nature, eternally begotten of the Father, yes, as to His human nature, He had a beginning in time. Just the human nature. To, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. You see that in Hebrews and other places in the New Testament. Confirming clearly it's the Lord Jesus Christ. The risen Lord and reigning Lord Jesus Christ. But the son says, the Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten of you. Ask of me. Now watch this. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Did he ask? Was there a covenantal agreement? Is Christ the king of every tribe, tongue, nation, and language? Uh-huh. He's going to save a people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language, showing you he has authority over them all and is bringing his people out of them all. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Not just America, not just Israel, Palestine, the nation, but the entire globe is his inheritance, his possession. And he is to be first. 
His rule reaches from pole to pole. North pole to south pole. We like to say, what does that mean? Whole earth. He is the true and greater ruler and judge. Paul, Paul says uh, in Athens, you see it in Acts 17, that because God has raised His Son from the dead, He commands all people everywhere to repent and submit to Him. He is the ruler and He is the judge. Look what else the, the voice of the Father said to the Son. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Not coddle them in their sin unendingly. His rule, in one sense, is a stern rule because it has boundaries, which is His law. And stepping outside of that brings the lash and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. What is this saying? The Son will own the universe, He does, will rule the entire earth, and we'll root out of it and destroy all rebellion. Every ounce of rebellion will be rooted out of this earth because the Son is the King sitting on the holy hill. Now, this is a little less clear, but I'm, I'm calling this the voice of the Spirit. Others have identified. The Spirit is the one who convicts and calls and brings to repentance, who sends forth the gospel in the general call with the offer of salvation to all people and in the, in the, the, the special call or specific call or the effectual call in bringing His people to Himself. So we hear the voice of the Father, the voice of the Son, and now the voice of the Spirit. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Listen up, kings, presidents, senators, congressmen. Listen up, rulers, judges. Listen up, every person of any former administration and every person of the administration coming in and not just in America, around the world. Listen up, Democrats. Listen up, Republicans. Listen up, Independents and Libertarians and whoever else you are. The Holy Spirit of God is saying, Be wise. Be warned. There's danger and you're walking straight into it. You are set to oppose the living God and you will pay if there is no repentance. See, the church has a prophetic role to play in speaking truth to rulers. Sometimes we get uncomfortable with that. Sometimes we don't want to do that. Sometimes we don't want to call the president a sinner. The vice president, a sinner, a senator, a sinner, or legislator. We don't want to call them foolish when they are. We don't want to call them to account. 
But I, I'm going to stand here before you and to you and through you. And I call all of them to account. Why? Because I'm anything? No, but because God is and His Word calls them to account. And the Holy Spirit, because the Son is on the throne and the earth is His, is saying, Be warned, O rulers of the earth. You who legislate sin in opposition to God's law, be warned. Oh, play it in the White House. I don't care. I hope you do. Be warned. Judgment's coming. And you may think you're winning. And you may get all your wishes in the culture. But one day you will stand before this king and give an account. Be warned. What is the warning? that the Spirit delivers. Serve the Lord with fear, with a humble, loving, submission, reverence, seeing Him as the authority and you as the under-authority so that your responsibility is to legislate what He says is right and wrong, no matter what people think about it. Be warned, O rulers of the earth, Serve the Lord Lord, with fear and rejoice with trembling. Look what he says. Kiss the Son. Kiss the Son. Not like Judas kissed Him in a fake kiss when He was betraying Him. See, a lot of religion gives us a fake kiss. A lot of Christianity gives us a fake kiss. A tip of the hat to God. Uh Uh-uh. Kiss the Son means an act of true submission. When we kiss the ring of a ruler, you see people kneel and kiss hands or kiss rings. What are they saying? I'm inferior. You are above me. You are the ruler. I will do what you say happily. Kiss the son. Submit to the son. Repent. Repent of sin. Turn to Jesus. Live for Him. And therefore lead for Him. Rule for Him. There's leaders in church who who need to hear this. But he's particularly talking to kings and rulers of the earth. Kiss the Son. Why? Why should I kiss the Son? Well, because He's King. He's on the throne. He is Judge who will rule the world and break in pieces like a potter's vessel everyone who rebels against Him. And He's righteous and holy and pure and true and has all power and it will definitely come to pass. He is God and you are not. Submit to Him. Don't just claim to be a follower of His and yet live like you're not. Actually have your life and your decisions and your, your, your laws, as it were, line up with the fact that He is King. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son. Why? Lest He be angry and you perish in the way. If you find yourself standing against the Lord Jesus Christ and His reign, you will perish in the way. Some sooner than later, but all who stand in opposition to the true and living God will perish in the way. And I want every one of you to believe me. You're not unique so that you can stand in opposition to God and make it. 
Kids, adults, everybody listen to me. Repent and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Rulers, kings, Jesus Christ is Lord. Turn to Him. Not Allah, not any of the other false gods. I'm telling you, be bold. Take a chance. If they cut your head off or they crown it, you win. He is Lord. Stop kowtowing to the world, the flesh and the devil. Speak out in love, yes, but with devotion to Him and clarity on what His Word is. Speak out. Because if we don't, we're going alone. For His wrath... Watch this. We don't like that word, do we? His wrath is quickly kindled. Well, I don't know. I don't have that God of the Old Testament. I just have the one of the New Testament. He's loving. He's he's not that God of wrath. Oh, really? You haven't read your New Testament. Jesus says more about hell than He does about heaven or love. And judgment. And the Word tells us to flee from the wrath to come. That's New Testament, by the way. Stop with the silliness. Same God in the Old Testament as the New. Kiss the Son. Repent of sin. Turn to Him. Trust in Him. Receive Him as your Savior and your Lord because that's what He is. You can't cut Him in half. Praise God He ends this psalm with a promise. Because it's heavy, isn't it? If it's not heavy, you're not reading it. But look what He says. And for those who do, you might as well say, for those who do submit to the Son, who do kiss the Son, who do see their sin and their need of a Savior and embrace Him as their salvation, blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Blessed are all who are trusting in Jesus, who submit to Him and receive Him and hide in Him for salvation. But a refuge from what? A backache? A refuge from the wrath to come. From when the sun does break with a rod of iron or, or break with a rod of iron and dash in pieces like a potter's vessel. He's got, have you read Revelation? Have you seen the picture of him there coming in chapter 19? A fierce warrior. Who comes to judge? It's the same one. It's the same Jesus. Flee from the wrath to come, Paul says. Take Jesus as your refuge from that. You will be delivered. If you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be forgiven and blessed in Him because you're in union with Him and hidden with Him. He is your ark. It delivers you from the judgment. We hide in Him. Outside of Him, what happened outside of the ark? Destruction. Judgment. It's a picture. Blessed are all who take refuge in Jesus. Are you taking refuge in Jesus this morning? He's not just a Savior. If you believe He's a Savior, He's not your Savior. There's not any more than one. It's Him and Him alone. 
And salvation is through you trusting in and receiving Him. It's not just believing a set of facts. The devil knows everything about who Jesus is. The devil even believes He's raised from the grave. But he's not saved. Why? He hates Him. He's seeking to throw off his cords. He don't want him to rule over him. He's not in joyful submission to Jesus. He's not trusting him. He hasn't repented and received him. Don't think you can just believe a set of facts and you'll go to heaven. You'll just go to hell with more knowledge. Come on now. We've got to quit playing around, y'all. There's enough playing around. A lot of the reason this country's in the shape it is is because the church has been playing around. Amen. It's time to quit. Get real or get out. I mean, the culture is going to cleanse the church. Christ died for our sins. He purchased us for Himself. He was buried. He was raised from the grave. And He offers salvation as a free gift. Will you take refuge in Him? If you won't, you'll answer to a holy God by yourself for your sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, spiritual and physical, hell, separation from God. Please listen to me. The Savior that is ours, yes, He is beautiful and lovely and kind and merciful and gracious and forgiving, but He is holy. Amen. And He can have no fellowship with sin apart from judgment. And He will cleanse you and forgive you if you truly come to faith in Him. But if you won't, you'll find yourself in verse 9 instead of verse 12. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Kiss the Son. Submit to the Son. Trust in the Son. White House, submit to the Son. Every other house, submit to the Son. Your house, submit to the Son. Trust and receive Him. I don't care if it makes sense to you. God doesn't care. He hasn't explained everything, answered all of our questions, and He never will. Most of them we couldn't understand if He explained them to them. He commands all people everywhere to repent. And you see it in Psalm 2. And ends it with the blessing of refuge, of salvation in Christ. Let me make a few points of application. I know I'm running long and I will quit. For today, number one, rebellion against God is nothing new. It's been happening since the garden. It will continue until Christ returns and it will get worse. There, that'll fill a stadium. You can listen to people who hate you and want to build their own kingdom, or you can listen to people who love you and are willing to tell you the truth. That's your choice. It will, it's, it's not going to stop until Jesus returns. It takes on different dresses sometimes, but it is nothing new, and it will continue. And it will continue in your heart till you submit to the sign. Wicked rulers, therefore, number two, are nothing new. Are you saying we have wicked rulers? Yes. Are you saying wicked rulers are going to be inaugurated on January the 20th? Yes. Absolutely I am. How can you say that? You can't judge their hearts. I show you what they do. And they fight for legislation that is in direct opposition to God's word and God's law. Therefore, they are wicked rulers. 
See, you know what kind of tree it is by the fruit that's on it, right? False prophets are identified by their fruit and wicked rulers are identified by their fruit. It's not as much about what you say as what you do. And yes, wicked rulers are going to be inaugurated. Are they the first ones? Mm-mm. Jesus didn't come take sides. He came take over. And to a great extent, the right wing and the left wing belong to the same bird in this country. And all of them are being called today, not just Democrats, although their platform is much more wicked, but Republicans as well. They all are responsible for the shape we're in and the kowtowing in politics. You know what politics means, right? Polymini, ticks, blood-sucking creatures. There might be 2% of them that are truly righteous in that they are submitting to the Son and following Him. But there's nothing new. Think about when the church was born. It was born in the midst of this righteous and holy government, wasn't it? Not even in Israel. But think about the Roman Empire. And the church flourished. Please, please believe me. Wicked rulers are nothing new, but they can't stop the gospel. It's going to get worse. Wicked rulers will continue until Christ returns. It's getting worse in all the world and it will continue to do so. Not without political change, but without mass revival. Hearts have to change before actions change. And the hope is revival. Not any person's promises. Earthly rulers, number three, are commanded to repent of wickedness and wicked rule, to kiss the Son, to submit to Jesus and His law, and they will stand before Him someday. You might be asked to deny Jesus someday. You'll definitely are already being asked to deny Jesus in what's coming at you in the culture. Where do you stand? That leads me to number four. Church, listen to me closely. Stop trusting in politics. I didn't say stop participating. I said stop trusting in politics and politicians. How are you feeling about the last election or the current uh, state of our country? Is it despair or disappointment? If it's despair, you need to check yourself. Because maybe some idols are getting knocked over. If you're losing hope, that's a bad sign. Everybody should be disappointed in the, in the shape of our country right now. But see, we get caught in this trap in thinking that our job is to fix America. To recapture a Christian nation. If we can just get enough judges on the court who are conservative. Enough legislators, enough senators, a president. How long have we been trying that? Have you seen recently how you can maybe get a, a more conservative judge in the highest court in the land and the left can intimidate and mold and shape them to vote differently than you thought they might? Stop hoping in politics and politicians. I'm not saying stop participating, but don't give that more of your time than you do the mission of God. Hope in revival, hope in Jesus, hope in the gospel, not princes. They will all let you down. 
They give Judas kisses for your vote and try to get you to join them in rebellion against God. Soft or hard rebellion. Notice clearly, I did not say stop participating. Be good citizens. Stop hoping in it. Man, the church has been off the rails for so long. Moral majority and all kind of other mess that's been started. How about we get back on mission? How about we start loving people by speaking the truth? Speaking it in love, but boldly speaking the truth. How about we start calling people to repentance and faith in the Son who is on the throne? How about we pay the price if it comes? If you lose your job. If you lose your house. If you lose your family. If you lose your life. To live is Christ. I'm not done. Just be, number five, be encouraged. In Christ, you are blessed. And listen to me, you will rule the world with Christ someday. Co-regency with Jesus. We will judge with Christ. I don't understand all that. You don't either. But He's coming. We're blessed to be His children. Will we not love Him in how we live and speak? And be faithful as David was and as God is to speak truth? You're blessed to be His child, to have His mission, to have eternal hope. You are blessed to be delivered from the wrath to come because you have a Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ. You might have been playing church up to now. Please listen to me. Repent and trust Jesus. It's not going to get easier to do. Number six. Yeah, I'm going on. You want to change the world? Question mark. Point people to the Son, the King of kings, the most gracious King who saves rebels who turn to, submit to, and trust in Him. The Gospel is the only thing that will really and lastingly change the world because it is the only thing that will really and lastingly change people's hearts. And from from scheming and raging and plotting in vain a rebellion against God to joyful submission to Him because of His grace to us in Christ. Last thing I want to do is encourage you and just get you to remember, Jesus is on the throne now. He never got off. He gives us, when He wants to judge a nation, He gives them wicked rulers, Calvin said. It's true. Nobody steps into any throne on this earth apart from God's sovereign pleasure but he remains on the throne he reigns he is seeing to it that his gospel goes to the end of the earth to save a people from every tribe tongue and nation and nothing has changed about that you're still his children you're still forgiven you're still clothed in his righteousness and empowered by his spirit you still have his word he promises to be with you and never forsake you and to use you for His glory. Christ is King. And nothing about that will change on January the 20th. You'll just have another ruler in power who has the responsibility to kiss the Son. We'll see what they do with it. The song that we quoted to begin with said, Nothing ever lasts forever. And to a great extent we can say praise God. Everybody wants to rule the world. True. 
Wicked earthly rule will come to an end someday. We wait patiently and faithfully when we remember that Jesus actually rules the world now. And His reign will be fully implemented in the earth someday. There'll be no more wicked people. There'll be no more wicked rulers. Therefore, there'll be no rebellion. There'll be no more sin. Therefore, there'll be no more misery. There'll be no more death or sickness or crying or pain or you fill in the blank and read Revelation 21. Because everything wicked will be judged, verse 9, and removed by the victorious Son of God who is seated on the throne. Matthew 13, 41 to 43, the only time I've left the psalm today. At the end, right, the Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom. Where's His kingdom? The earth. All of it. The universe. They will gather out of His kingdom all, that ca- all the causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, there's that New Testament God who's not a God of wrath anymore. That's Jesus speaking. Watch this. Here we end with a blessing again then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Be ready to live as Christ. I am done now. Let's pray. Oh Lord, have mercy on us. We are so short-sighted. We are so earthbound. We, so, we live so much of our lives focused under the sun. Ecclesiastes is such a good reminder for us. Help us to look above the sun. Help us to see you on the throne. Help us to joyfully line up with your reign because of your grace to us. In saving us. In forgiving us. In cleansing us. In filling us. In gifting us. So many blessings we have in you. Lord, make us stable. Make us faithful. Make us so heavenly minded that we're tremendously earthly good. Forgive us for our timidity and quietness. And make us bold as lions for you. Lovingly but faithfully bold to both live for you and speak for you and point people to the King that is set on the throne, the almighty God who reigns. Help us, Lord. Cleanse us and forgive us and send us forth on mission. Help us to hope where there is hope. Help us to stop hoping where there's not hope. Help us to focus on you and live for you. Loving you growing in our love for you, loving neighbor, growing in our love for neighbor, and loving one another the way Christ loves us. I pray even now for the rulers of this country that you would truly send bold servants into their midst with your gospel, that you would truly save a mass of them. I know they won't all be converted. I pray they would, but I pray for revival in government. I pray for 
uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris who are coming in evidently into the White House that you would work repentance and faith in their hearts. I pray that they wouldn't continue to resist you and seek to throw off your rule. However things turn out, whoever's in power, from the top down all the way to us, just regular citizens, may we kiss the sun. May we submit to the sun. May we love you, Lord Jesus, knowing that you loved us first. Revive your church, Lord. Refresh your church, Lord. Renew your church. Cleanse your church. Purify your church. Save those who don't know you. Sanctify those of us who do. And may we own and adopt our privilege to speak your word. To the glory of your name. For the good of your kingdom. Lord, for those who are listening to my voice who are playing church or don't know you or lost, and even if they don't know it, maybe they think they're saved and they're not, I pray that you would grant them repentance and faith today. That you would get their attention to their lost condition and bring them to faith in Jesus. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised the third day, proving it's all true. He is the true Son of God. Eternal Son of God, who became man, the only Savior, and the Lord who is on the throne. May we kiss Him. May we submit to Him. May we love and serve and trust Him before it's too late. Bless us, Lord. We praise You this morning. In Jesus' holy name. Amen.